Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. Presented by Cape and Cowl Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by the man known as Rainier. How's it going, Rainier? What's up, Henry? So, today, I was thinking we'd roll out a new segment. A segment I'd like to call Meet the Geeks. And... Um, I'm not sure exactly where this is going to go, but uh, uh, to me, a lot of this show is is not just talking about, you know, geek movies, TV shows, and comics, but kind of getting to know fellow geeks, you know? To, to, it's kind of a reassuring thing to know that we're not alone, that there are many of us out there, and we're into all kinds of different stuff, right? The, the spectrum of our respective fandoms is is huge what's what's the politically correct word is it nerd or geek <laughs> that's a great question you know it's funny you mentioned that because th- that topic was kind of floating in my mind that's a uh, thing today. right absolutely nerd, nerd versus geek absolutely and you know what i've heard is th- there's kind of a general rule on that like a generally accepted rule and that is a nerd is kind of more like academically gifted than your average geek you know someone who excels at school does well in math and like just just like gets good grades you know is smart it's a smart person and i mean there's a lot of crossover obviously but my understanding is that a geek is kind of the more like of a, a fan of stuff a fan of of comics and fantasy. Are you conscious sci-fi. of when you use those words? I use them interchangeably. I do too. And I think, I, I think, yeah, it is accepted that there's a lot of crossover, but just there's little tendencies, you know, the tendencies toward the academics is the nerd and the tendencies toward, toward fandom. Is like the, the uh, Trek right? versus Trekkie versus Trekker. <laughs> yeah, I've never yeah. heard anyone being offended by being called either a nerd or a geek. Like I've never heard anyone say, no, I'm a geek, not a nerd. Yeah. And vice versa. I've never I, heard that. I haven't heard that so much. I mean, to me, it's, co- it's kind of, it, I would rather be considered a nerd because basically you're, you're being told by someone that you're smart and I don't, I consider myself to be more of a geek than a nerd. Um, not that I'm like ashamed of that or anything, but I just, to me, it's kind of it's kind of better to be a nerd in a way, just just because it kind of means you're smarter. I don't know. What, what do you think? I'm actually thinking about what you were saying earlier about how we are not alone. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> these yeah. days, everyone is a self-proclaimed geek and nerd because it's the cool thing to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that? When did that happen? When did that? Right. When did that sneak up on us? It's almost like it's too much now. Like we're not alone, but now there there's too many people self-proclaiming. Right? There's just it's like, and and it, and it comes. You know, you start to question. Like, are they really a geek? I'm just saying that. Ooh, are we know? diving into the <laughs> fake nerd controversy? That's that's a thing. And you know, maybe that leads us to this meet the geek segment. It, maybe there's kind of a vetting out. We, they, so basically, it's just a series of questions that we have, and it's kind of an interview type format. And it's just the purpose to me was to get to know a fellow geek but yeah maybe there's like it's like a, a test too you know like maybe you and i when we do this we can sort of like 
give each other the nods like okay this guy's cool you how, know, many, or, how many walkers have you killed <laughs> exactly <laughs> that test of three may questions. Be, i don't know you know you know you got you we, we can be the judge the listeners can be the judge judge too so do you believe in that though do you believe in the fake the fake nerd that exists do you believe in that uh <laughs> that division between the true blue nerds versus the fake nerds. I absolutely believe that. You know, I've been enough to been to enough of these cons to to, to spot like the fakers. You know, <laughs> the wannabes. Come on, you know, the casual fans. You, you can you can smell them a mile away, man. You know, and uh, we've had this discussion before, where it's like, you know, at at, at some point you you can't be like this this like exclusive kind of uh, uh, comic snob, you know? But they're, they're, you, you, can't, you can't, like, embrace everyone with open arms. There's got to be some kind of division. Some line to be drawn. Yeah. Because I, I'm telling you, there's, there's, there's too many of these casual fans out there, and, and I don't, I don't want to be grouped in with those people. You know I don't I mean? either. And when I say those people, that's a dangerous term already. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking. No, about. I I see the same thing. I I agree with you. The the fake nerd and the fake geek girl. Those those exist. They're out there. We see them at all of these conventions. Absolutely. Okay. And so that's a good segue to a little bit of backstory. So, uh, the idea for this meet the geek segment really came from an interview that I did at San Diego Comic-Con. So there's this cool thing that I signed up for in advance of the convention. It was with the Sci-Fi Channel. And basically, they were they had this email address that email us if you're interested in, in, in just talking some geek fandom stuff with us. And maybe you'll end up on some of our um, some Sci-Fi Channel segments, right? Um, so it sounded interesting. I emailed them. They emailed me back. Said, "Oh yeah, just come on in." They they gave me like a little time frame, and um, basically, it's it's really similar to what I just mentioned. It's just a series of questions, uh, very geek and nerd uh, related type stuff, and it was just basically like, "What are you into? What kind of stuff are you into? Why are you into it?" Um, and you know, never mind the the results of the interview. It was just fun, you know. Like, it, it, it's fun to talk about like the the type of stuff that I'm a fan of. Yeah, you know? we should maybe you should paint the picture of this process because when you explained it to me, it sounded really interesting. From the moment you walked into the room and you saw the other people that were also lined up to do these interviews, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that's a good point because. It, in the vein of the the casual fan, the fake geek girl types, there were definitely some of these people there. You know, I think there were some people who were kind of smelling 15 minutes of fame type deal, boost your Instagram follower total type people there. You know, um, any recognizable social media faces around or was it uh, just something you could smell in the air yeah no i i certainly didn't go in there it's like oh hey that's so and so i that i didn't recognize anyone but i i could tell you like i could feel it you know like there were for the most part there were people like me who were you you, you can tell they were comic-con attendees who had heard about this thing and they were just they're excited about their fandom they want to express themselves you know that was most people in the room. I'm imagining that you can spot these people from far away because they're wearing the Comic-Con bag on their back full <laughs> of swag and they're sweating because they've walked through the San Diego heat to get to this hotel room or yeah. this, this lobby. You, you nailed it because 
there okay there's one girl there who was obviously not a hardcore geek and she was there just like for the fame of it to, to, she was like a fake geek girl just just to give you a little Clearly. contrast you can tell the people that are there for the convention because everything they're wearing is functional <laughs> because navigating yeah. through comic-con is an ordeal absolutely you're wearing shorts you're wearing you know, you're wearing like a thin layered shirt. You're carrying a big ass backpack, if not the Comic Con bag. You're probably carrying a chair, mm-hmm. a portable chair, it's very right? possible. And you've got water bottles on your uh, on your on your pack, and you know you're you're ready for war. Yeah, exactly. No, so I walked into that room with a comfortable T-shirt, my Comic Con badge on, a big fucking backpack for swag, you know, and most people. Most of the other people in the room were like that. They were dressed functionally. You know, they, they, they were, they, they, you know, they're sweating. You know, like I needed to kind of scramble to get to that appointment because us real nerds, we want to experience Comic-Con and we don't want to waste a second. So, like, I just scrambled um, to that thing from something else and oh, yeah. I needed to scramble back. You know, That's important to note that you, you took time away from the convention to attend this, this interview. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Um, and uh, like I said, a lot of people in that room were seemed just like that. There were some exceptions, though. This one girl, she she had a cute outfit on. She she had like she had like wedge heels on. Like that's like that's a red flag right there. It's like I know you're not wedge standing <laughs> five hours in line to take a chance at a signing with that outfit on. Full hair and makeup, like camera. Yeah, ready. she was she was camera ready. And she, uh, her first questions were like, oh, what, um, what hashtag should I use for this? Um, you know, who, who should I tag? Um, like these classic kind of uh, social media type questions, you know. Okay, yeah. So, you know, fortunately, she was one of the lone exceptions. Most of the room were like legit geeks. And um, the process was fun, you know. They mic'd me up. It was a pretty professional setup. And yeah, they did... Um, they did kind of powder my nose a bit. I had like the, the Comic Con sweat glow on me, you know. So they they needed to make me camera ready. I'm sure they had a lot of powder ready for everybody. I, I think so. Yeah. So um, so yeah. Let's uh, let's replicate the experience. I'm, I'm basically I pulled out a lot of the questions that I um, uh, had had to fill out before the interview, and then during the interview. Um, I wouldn't have to kind of fumble around and think about it. It was sort of fresh in my mind, right? So these are those, a lot of those uh, very same questions. So um, I'll, I'll throw them out there and then we can talk about it. Yeah. Let's dive into it. All right. So, okay, first question. So a lot of these were like, uh, like who would win in a fight, such and such versus such and such, you know? Uh, so like the ultimate last one standing type questions <laughs> yeah you know a, a very geek type of thing to ask but one of them was jj abrams or joss whedon so you so know i would have guessed you would have picked joss whedon <laughs> and I'm, I'm guessing just based based on his work on avengers i'm guessing right? not not only that but he also mentioned like you know what's that movie? Uh, what's that movie? Much, much ado about nothing. Oh yeah, like yeah, you yeah. mentioned that film is like one of your favorite films, and yeah, you know, no. Joss Whedon has conquered television. He's conquered movies. He's been in comics. 
Um, yeah. That's why I would have guessed you would have selected Joss. Yeah, and also, you know, not that this should be a factor really, but there's that recent controversy. Now, this question, this interview in San Diego happened before the controversy came out. Um, the controversy of his alleged, like, serial cheating on his wife. Right, right, exactly, right, right. So not that that should affect his body of work, but I would have, ex- you know, that if that had come out before the interview, that probably would have been a factor. That said, my answer was J.J. Abrams, you know, by, by a very small margin and primarily due to his work on the on the latest uh, Star Trek films. Yeah, even more yeah. so than Avengers, huh? That was a tough one. Like, I, I, yeah, I think I'd mentioned to you before, but like, I think it re- literally came down to J.J. Abrams did two great Star Trek movies and Joss Whedon did one, not two great Avengers movies. That's, I really came down to, like, it came to, you know, it was that close, I think. Wait, two great Avengers. Oh, so did you like Into the Darkness? Yeah, I really as did. As much as the first Star Trek? As much, as much, yeah. And that's maybe kind of controversial. I know a lot of folks didn't like Into Darkness, but I love both of those movies. And uh, I think Joss Whedon kind of had a bit of a misstep with uh, Age of Ultron. So that, that was probably the determining factor. It was super close. Like uh, TV-wise, they, they, they ruled TV. Um, Let me ask you, you this. Know. If you didn't see Into Darkness and you just had Star Trek and the Avengers to compare... Um, would you have still gone with JJ? I don't think so. If it's if it's a one to one, oh no question, uh, Avengers. Avengers to me is one of the greatest superhero movies of all time, and um, that made it really tough. But you know, other than that one movie, there there really wasn't anything that I hold really dearly with Whedon. You know. Um, I mean, J.J. Abrams, he did episode seven as well, which, you know, I wouldn't consider great, but it was quite an achievement what he did, I think, with, with that film. So. That was a smart move because then it bridges. I would, there's still a gap between, between Trekkers, I mean, Trekkies, <laughs> I mean, Trekkers and, and Star Wars fans, <laughs> right? There's all, there's, it, that's yeah. that's going to live just as long as Marvel versus DC. But, man, what a smart move to have the same director do both franchises. If there's one sort of like coming together and and like let's put all our guns down and kumbaya moment, maybe it was that. It was J.J. Abrams crossing over to Star Wars. You know, he's like, hey, you know what? We all are geeks and we all can love this stuff. You know, and it's great. You know, let's all be happy together. <laughs> so, what about you? What do you think about this question, J.J. or Joss? So all of J.J.'s work I know is television and movies, right? He's been on, uh, what has he done? He's done Lost. Lost. Huge. That's a, I didn't watch Lost, but, you know, that's a huge one. No question. Uh, he did uh, Alias, I think. Alias, absolutely. And, uh, of course, the Star Trek films, the Star Wars movies. Yep. So all all film, all television. Joss, he's he's been, he's you know, he's dipped in both and he's been successful in both television and movies but he's also written uh, a number of comics namely astonishing x-men the first run they did which he was on and because of that because he's he's delved into into all of that including comics i would have gone with joss that's a strong point that's a strong point that there's the comics angle you know you don't want to discount that that's huge 
Okay. And we're throwing and we're throwing away this whole serial cheating thing to the side. Okay, <laughs> that's his personal life. Let's put it aside. Let him this. deal with it. Yeah. yeah and see yeah. what happens with Justice League. That's right. That's that's a big litmus test coming up. So we'll see. All right. Let's keep let's keep this moving. So uh, next question. Okay. Another who would win in a fight, Gandalf or Dumbledore? So, <laughs> I mean, this is a pretty fucking silly question, but. I, you know what? That's the, a pretty nerdy, specific question. Very too. nerdy, very specific. Uh, you know, you know, we're. I mean, in terms of con goers, uh, I mean, you and I maybe are a little bit on the older side of the spectrum, but you know, the current uh, fan base of comic cons and just geek culture. I mean, Harry Potter is like right the fuck in there you know there there are tons of harry potter fans are you a potterhead i mean i'm certainly a fan i would i would never call myself a potterhead no no way <laughs> but I've, i saw all the movies i enjoyed most of them and you know they're they're, they're it's a good franchise you know what's you know? the one thing that i can really respect about harry potter and this entire series other than the world that has been built yeah is that he is a main character that wears glasses Ah, yeah. There are not a lot of main characters out there. There, are, I, I don't, incl- I don't, I don't count Cyclops. Those are fucking cool. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you may have just unlocked the secret to. And I don't count. Harry jo- I don't count success. Jordy either because those aren't fucking glasses. Yeah, I was Harry Potter needs glasses. Just you know, he he wears regular glasses to see. Right. He's a nerd, and he, he he's a he, geek. He manages to keep them on despite all of his magical yeah. battles. That's a huge point, I and mean, you wonder why all these geeks are Harry Potter fans. That's that's maybe the number one reason. You know, he he looks like us. And the reason why I point that out is because if there were ever a zombie apocalypse that, to happen, I'm I, I'm blind without my glasses or contacts. Yeah, and I we still have yet to see a character on The Walking Dead. The television show, or even Fear of the Walking Dead, or any zombie mainstream <laughs> show, where the main character wears glasses, and That's if there true. is a character that has glasses, he's not a main character, yeah. or she's not a main character, and they always end up dropping it, they always end up stepping on it. That's a great point. There's and uh, Heath, they're the, and they're one of the first to go. Yeah, Heath on Walking Dead wore glasses, and where is he? He's not on the show anymore. <laughs> See, right? They didn't even explain where he went. <laughs> He's just gone. Right. There's no explanation needed. He had glasses. That's all you need to know. Gone. He does not wear glasses as the protege to Jack Bauer in the 24 series he did. Aha. Uh-huh. There you go. See? Yeah. Drop those glasses real quick. <laughs> okay. So going back to this question, I mean, it is kind of silly. My answer was basically, you know, I'm a bigger fan of the Harry Potter franchise than the Lord of the Rings franchise. So I would go with Dumbledore there. But at the same time, in a fight, like, okay, if it's really a fight, if it's who you're a bigger fan of, I'm going to pick Dumbledore. But in a battle, there's no way Gandalf is losing to Dumbledore in a battle, right? Right? Wouldn't you think? So we see Gandalf wield a sword. uh, That's right. In the Peter Jackson trilogy. Right, right, right. And I think the combination of of being able to use magic and being able to fight without magic is a huge advantage. Yeah. He he's a wizard, but he's a wizard he's like a combat wizard. You know, Dumbledore is like like a school wizard. That's a big difference, right? I mean, I know Gandalf is powerful, but spoiler alert, like Dumbledore dies. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Gandalf <laughs> dies but he is reborn. Right? Yeah. If 
Dumbledore was that powerful, wouldn't have he been able to have been reborn? Because <laughs> Gandalf the Grey dies when he fights okay. uh, Balrog, right? You're, you're you're throwing out some awesome arguments here. <laughs> you're, you're you're crushing this this interview. So and all then right. he reemerges as Gandalf the White. You're killing it, man. And all we right. see him wield his his sword. Uh, what is it called? The Glamdring. I don't know how I know this. I just okay. know this. You're good. You're just that good. Period. <laughs> By the way, fun fact. Uh, Gandalf's sword, the Glamdring, and most of the swords that were in Lord of the Rings are actually infused on the Iron Throne from Game what? of Thrones. Yeah, because no they needed, yeah, oh, they needed all those swords to be able to build that thing, and oh, they, they, awesome. they threw them in there. That's dope. That's a great fact. All right, let's move on. Okay, another versus matchup: Thor versus Hulk. Here's a big one. I mean, this one has, comes up a lot in geek conversation. Uh, so, okay, so real quick, my answer was uh, was Thor, uh, but again, a close one because it's always been my feeling that if Hulk gets angry enough, no one's stopping him because th- there's no there's no limit to his strength. It's just you know how angry can he get, um, but. The fact that he can't be that angry all the time, I think Thor is gonna find a way to beat him. Oh, this is a battle. This is a battle question, or just who is better overall? Or yeah, I mean, so it's a battle question. The way it was posed was literally like who would win in a fight. Like even Whedon and Abrams, it was it, the question was who would win in a fight. Abrams or Joss Whedon. But I mean, I think the subtext is like. Who are you a bigger fan of, and tell us why? Oh, who yeah. I'm a bigger fan of? Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, you could you could you could break it down. Like to me, like Dumbledore, I would give it to Dumbledore, just strict up straight up fandom. But it, it battle scenario, you know, Gandalf easily. Um, you could break it down similarly here. I'm leaning. I'm leaning towards the Hulk only yeah. because like there's. It's he's a little more simple. <laughs> yeah. You won't like him when he's angry, <laughs> right? But but don't you think that simplicity, like Thor, has a lot of different ways to beat you. He he can he can. Oh, I'm not I'm not looking at it from a who's gonna win in a fight situation. I'm yeah. looking at it as a which character is more interesting to me. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 right, right. The simplicity of it. Yeah, the Hulk stories tend to be pretty straightforward. You know? I mean, so I mean, if you if if you were to make the argument on the side of of Thor, he's uh, he's uh, the son of Odin. He's a god. Um, yeah. He protects as he protects Asgard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what else does he do? It's and it's not it's not just a straight up fist fight. It's not an arm wrestling match. Thor can can strike you down with a thunderbolt. You know, right. he, he, he can use his hammer in a lot of different ways. So I mean, that, it's for that reason, I think, Thor ultimately would, would come out what's, victorious. What's, what's Thor's underlining, like, story here? Like, what is he protecting? Are you talking in general or, or in this battle scenario? Uh, I'm just asking you in general. I think you might know more Thor than I do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Thor expert, but, you know, it's... You know, he's protecting his people, Asgard. You know, mm-hmm. and and his and and he's come to love Earth as well. So I mean, he mm-hmm. he he's a he's a protector. You know, he's he's someone who who comes to the need uh, uh, of the of the needy. You know. Mm. And Hulk is uh, a scientist 
who's trying to move forward through medical and scientific advances, um, you know, push the human race forward. It sounds like you're kind of like figuring out the more compelling story. Is that kind of what you're walking through? that's where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, I think Hulk might have it there because it is an, an interesting, you know, dynamic. Here's this brilliant scientist who can't help but turn into a rage monster you know it's it's uh it's 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 like it's that that old um like dr heckle uh, dr jekyll and mr hyde trope right yeah so i mean it's 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 a it's, it's an old story but an effective story so if you were to ask me like like the mo- like the more intriguing character i would say the hulk if you were to ask me thor versus hulk i would go with thor Jeez, almost hands down. Yeah, because I think so. Because at some point, Hulk turns back into Bruce Banner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Thor is essentially Thor through and through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's not a whole lot of relatability with Thor, right? You can almost kind of relate to the Hulk because at the end of the day, he does become just a regular dude, you know, who's got to deal with this this uh, destruction he's, he's left behind. Yeah. Know, so... Okay, fair enough. Now, uh, similarly, on the DC side of things, there was a question, Superman or Wonder Woman? What do you think about this one? My answer was, uh, I think, a pretty common answer, Superman. You know, he's, he's, he's the original, and uh, he's all-powerful, you know? Um, I agree. Right? And yeah. Superman started all this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the first. Right. And it's almost like... He's considered to be not only the the original superhero, but the most powerful superhero too. He's kind of that that gold standard, right? Yeah. Um, could Wonder Woman find a way to beat him? Certainly, you know. Um, but I think yeah, more Superman's t- weakness is not limited to just kryptonite. He does have a weakness to magic. That's right. And uh, Themyscira is, you know, I'm sure riddled with all kinds of, like, Greek magic. There you go. Um, so in a fight, I would actually give it to – I would give it to Wonder Woman in a fight. Really? I would. So break it down for me. Like, specifically, how does Wonder Woman beat Superman? How does that go down? I'm sure she has some magical sword. <laughs> She does have a magic lasso. <laughs> There's the lasso, she certainly. She does have an invisible plane. So the magic angle, huh? It's all about the magic. So that's always kind of intrigued me. Like, I, I'm aware of of that limitation with Superman, but how how much of a limitation is it? Well, so uh, that's, that's also kind of ambiguous because I've right. always asked this question. Like, yeah. whenever Superman is in the presence of kryptonite, sure, he's weakened, right? And he can't function normally but how much kryptonite would it take to actually just kill him right it weakens him enough to be potentially killed but he always Mm -hmm. manages to escape that but yeah how much kryptonite does it take to actually just kill him like if he were sitting in a room and he couldn't escape and there was kryptonite right there on the table how long would he have to be (laughs) in that room until it just completely defeats him right right or does that even does it even work that way yeah i've wondered that too but my impression is that it weakens him but there's got to be something else. Like in his weakened state, you have to like 
then you gotta like bash his head in. Oh, I mean, so in Batman versus Superman, they answered that question because yeah. he was holding that spear uh, of kryptonite that Batman made, and he used that spear to pierce through Doomsday. And in Superman's weakened state, Doomsday shoved his sharpened fist through his heart and killed right, him. Right, right. Okay, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like the the, the kryptonite itself doesn't kill superman but it puts him in a state such that he's mortal yeah he's mortal and he's not that hard to kill but then but you, you you but then you also like think about superman returns he had just a sliver of kryptonite that was embedded in his skin and he was useless he was in a coma <laughs> yeah but well. then but then later in the movie he somehow manages to shoot a laser beam all the way around an entire island full of kryptonite. Right. And he's able to lift it from from its base from the planet and, like, lift it into outer space. Well, maybe that's more indicative of the writing in that movie, which was a little <laughs> suspect. <laughs> so, I mean, I know we, we see a lot of these inconsistencies in, in shows and, and movies, so... You know. they, they did in uh, in All Star Superman. They did talk about how Superman had um, he was exposed to enough kryptonite where it gave him like kryptonite like cancer. Okay, well. and that's a great story, by the way, because you start to see Superman's thought process of how how life is gonna con- how how his life is gonna be now that his days are numbered and the people that are around him that he loves, like how you know that affects um, him and his whole world. Interesting. Yeah. I recommend it. Cool. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Okay. This is the last of the, the versus questions. And, you know, speaking of, of Trekkies and Trekkers, Captain Picard or Captain Kirk? Here, what, 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 are, you, what are your thoughts on this just oh, right I'm off go. the bat? I'm going to go with Picard. Ooh. I'm going to go with Brain versus Brawn. Really? Yeah. I mean, gen- <laughs> Next Generation was the Star Trek I grew up on. Um, that I, I, yeah, I, I followed it and yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It really, when it, what it comes down to really, is it, is it, is it brains or brawn? You know, Picard was, was one to use his brain to solve problems. Not that Kirk didn't, but he, he got, he, he, he fought his way out of a lot of his, uh, the problems he came across, right? So, um, I mean, I, 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 my, me, for me, it's hands down Kirk, you know. Um, not only was I introduced... Have you, uh, have you heard how he treats his fans, though? <laughs> oh, you're talking about Chris Pine? Oh, you're talking about Chris, William Shatner? I'm talking about William Shatner <laughs> okay. versus um, Sir Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, there, well... Uh, oh, God. Uh, um, uh, Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Sir Patrick yeah, Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said sir. Yeah. <laughs> He should be a sir too. The character yeah, should be. Yeah. I mean, there's as really well. no difference between, you know, Professor Xavier and Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> yeah, but you brought up a good point. And oh, so you were thinking uh, Chris Pine versus uh, Patrick Stewart? Well, you know, he's 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 part of the the Kirk legend now. There's no question. You know, oh, I always assume that whenever someone asks Picard versus Kirk, it's always it, William hey, Shatner. It's a character. It's a character, and you know, not. It's not always one person playing the character all the time, right? So, you, okay. th- th- I mean, to me, 
uh, like you're saying, you kind of were introduced to Star Trek through Next Generation, right? For me, it's opposite. I, for me, it was original series. Um, but the double whammy for me is 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 the the, the latest films. You know, you're um, getting two Kirks though for the price of one. <laughs> it is a bit <laughs> unfair. One uh, one uh, Captain Picard. It's a bit unfair, but you know, hey, like I said, you gotta you gotta include that. Um, but okay, let's let's not include it. So let's 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 say what oh, the chat. The Shat versus uh, Patrick Stewart. Okay. So going back to what you talked about with Joss Whedon, you, you got to take the personal lives out of the equation. If you did, <laughs> I'm with you. You know, I Patrick Stewart is just a much cooler guy than William Shatter. There's no question about that. Um, but just in terms of fandom, I mean, I, I like that, that the, 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 the swashbuckling hero. You know, Captain Kirk, he, he's not afraid to roll up his sleeves and, and get into a fist fight, you know, and get, get dirty. And, uh, you know, a lot of respect for, for Picard, you know, using his brain. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of fun with Kirk where it's not so much with Picard for me. Yeah. All right. So let's continue on. We got, uh, okay. Okay, so again with the Harry Potter stuff, like this, 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 this is indicative of like how many people were into Harry Potter. But there was another Harry Potter question. It was, which Harry Potter house would you be in? <laughs> do you know all the Harry Potter houses? <laughs> I do. All right. D- do you not? I do. I okay. Was just if you knew, I, okay. I, just, I never paid you as a Potterhead. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm not a Potterhead. But I mean, I see. I saw three, eight fo- fucking movies. You know, I, I know. I know Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Gryffindor, and Slytherin. Okay, right? there it is. There, there it is. Um, so uh, my answer would be Hufflepuff. Uh, Wait, I, you know that's here. Okay, so I, I, you probably know about more of the houses than I do, but I've seen all of the movies. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. Do you? Okay, can you describe like briefly in yeah. a sentence? The it, difference to, to be honest, I, I did I, when I was posed the question. I did research a little bit. Okay, so I can tell you my take on it. Okay, please. do. I know Gryffindor are the good guys. <laughs> there you go. And I know Slytherin's the bad guys. Yeah, and yeah. every and the other two houses are just fluff in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're the, just the background houses. The, to there, me. there, there are some subtleties there, but. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the easy answer is uh, Gryffindor, good, Slytherin, evil. Um, but the, the, the subtleties, I guess, are uh, the, the qualities. So the qualities of, of House Gryffindor is, is bravery. And um, with Slytherin, it's cunning, right? Um, so with uh, Hufflepuff, the reason why I like it is because Hufflepuff uh, House tends to be uh, friendly and loyal. So... Um, yeah, th- that that kind of resonated with me when I heard those uh, des- that description. Uh, Ravenclaw they tend to be um, a little more cerebral. They're they're uh, more inte- intellectual, uh, wise. They're they're described as as wise. Uh, so that said, what what, what do you think? Uh, where would you fall? It's uh, interesting that here? bravery um, wins above. Uh, loyalty and, uh, uh, and and the intellectuals. <laughs> I was, that's bullshit. You know, like, I mean, that's the movies, you know, come on. Uh, but, you know, I, may, I guess it makes for a better story when the, when the brave kids So if all win. four houses join, do they form like Voltron or? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where would I stand? Uh, only, oh, geez, I don't know. Just because, like, Harry Potter is uh, Gryffindorian. <laughs> Right. And he wears glasses just, just like me. I'm going team Gryffindor. Harry. Yeah, there Team Harry. Right, right, team right. Potter. Okay. All right. Uh, so next up. Okay, this is kind of an interesting one. What was your first geek out? 
Your first ever geek out in your life. <laughs> first geek out. <laughs> oh, dude. What was I like into? there is do you have like an early memory where you felt something you'd never felt before? Like what is this feeling, you know? Wait, we're talking about comics, right? <laughs> or <laughs> maybe about not. <laughs> Oh man, let's see. I'm trying to timeline all of it. Like I'm tr- uh, it's right now it's like a murky puddle of like Voltron and Thundercats and He-Man and Super Friends. And yeah, that's not uncommon. Night, Night Rider. Yeah, yeah. Like the the stuff we see on TV at an early age. That's not an uncommon response. Like what we see on TV, right? Yeah. Damn. Let's see. Those cartoons. Those got me too, man. You know, GI Joe and Transformers. There's I, I geek out on those at an early age, definitely. Even Star Wars. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Well, it, uh, so disclosure, uh, that was my answer. It was Star Wars. You know, Star Wars was my. Well, I always felt that was my f- first true geek out moment. That first Star Wars episode four. Yeah. Back when they didn't call it a New Hope, they just called it Star Wars. And you know? I want to say, and even Ghostbusters are in there. Definitely. Like everything that I'm naming, I can remember like specifically asking my parents for the toy of. Right. And, oh, dude, earliest, I'm going to go with, I can't even fucking decide. <laughs> you've, you've listed a lot of good ones. Oh, man. that's I'll just say all of the above. All man. of the above. Um, I had a great Transformers collection and a G.I. Joe collection when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Just reenacting everything I saw on television. Yeah, definitely. I had this. Uh, oh man, yeah. I, dude, I can't even peg one. Yeah. Was there were there any any moments that you can recall were kind of special? Maybe with those shows. I mean, just I mean, with the Star Wars thing, it really was when I first saw that dust, the Death Star blow up in the first Star Wars. I mean, that was you know. I, it, that moment just had a huge, such a huge impact on me. You know, it's so telling. Were there any? Just you list a lot of great shows and movies, but like, were there specific moments that were like just etched in your brain? You know, <laughs> anything like that? <laughs> we can come back to yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll have to revisit this. What, one. what about? I mean, I don't remember this, but do you remember the first time you saw Voltron? come together form for the first time yeah (laughs) (laughs) i wish i wish i could remember that i was probably pretty fucking mind-blowing you know when i first saw that (laughs) this is a huge question i can't yeah yeah i can't narrow it down because it's been such a big part of my life for all of my life yeah well we'll leave it at that you know you listen a lot of good stuff if anything does pop in your head feel free to to throw it out there (laughs) (laughs) all right uh, what else we got? Um, okay, kind of a, a big question, but it was posed to us. What is the current state of of the genre? Of, well, the current state of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror. That that's exactly how how it was worded. What is the current state? <laughs> oh, and real quick before you answer that. Uh, the, so I mentioned this was part. Uh, this was Sci-Fi Channel who 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 did these interviews, and there's a specific purpose for it. It was it was, uh, is the it, it is currently the 25th anniversary of the Sci-Fi Channel. So they wanted to have geeks come in and talk about kind of specifically the last 25 years. You don't have to limit it 
limit this conversation to that. Um, but it was kind of specific to the last 25 years and also a specific type of film like sci-fi, horror, and um, fantasy. Again, we don't have to limit ourselves to that, but just framing it. A lot of the, lot of the questions were kind of skewed yeah. in that direction. Yeah. But yeah, what do, what do you think about that? It's definitely mainstream, if that's yeah. any kind of state. I mean, like, it's cool to be a nerd and a geek now, which, man, if you would have asked me that question, like, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, well, not even 10 years ago, like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been, I feel like it would have been a completely different answer. Um, because, like, you know, all of my life, like, reading comics and liking all of this, you know, all the cartoons that I like, like, that's stuff you don't, like, you know that's stuff you don't air out that's just that's stuff that you watch and if hey you so happen to find someone else that's into it that's a person that you could speak to about it if everyone else figured out oh you're into this nerdy stuff then you're kind of you know if you're labeled as like you're not the sports guy you're not you're not the popular guy you know you're the you're the geek that sits at home in your parents basement and you know but that's not the case anymore like it's there's been this paradigm shift in being nerdy and geeky is cool um you know i'm a lot of the movies have had a lot to do with it yeah bringing it to the you know bringing it to the mainstream yeah that that's that's a great answer because right? i think what has happened like my my answer i was i thought it was kind of lame it was basically i was saying that it's the the return to practical effects you know cgi has been prevalent but I found that the return to practical effects what we've seen a lot in the new Star Wars movies and just all over has been impactful. And, you know, my answer and a lot of the other geeks' answers were in that vein, like what is happening in the industry? But I like where you're taking it. What's happening in the fan base? You know, what's happening in the fan base is incredible, you know, and that probably has has had a bigger impact than anything. You know, the fact that that this stuff, this geek, quote-unquote geek culture has gone mainstream, you know, the, the, there's a reason why, you know, there's there's a, a Luke Cage TV show. Like, who would have thought, you know? Like, there's all these, like, these really minor uh, properties that are, are getting this mainstream attention, and it really is what's going on in the fan base. It's, it's really incredible what's going on. I want to say that I feel like movies are primarily the driving force because Hollywood has recognized that there's this essentially unlimited amount of resource and yeah. story content out there that they can adapt into television and movies. Right. Yeah, there, I mean, look at the the amount of money, the amount of revenue these big tentpole movies are making. It's, it's mind-blowing. And, yeah, it is. there's this kind of trickle-down effect where, you know, all this culture, nerd culture, whatever you want to call it, is, is making – huge dollars for Hollywood so it, it's it's manifesting itself all over the place you know TV shows indie movies just like wherever you're, you know all kinds of different media it's, it's pretty awesome definitely then you see a lot of you know you, you see the like the Mark Zuckerberg's of the world and the Bill Gates's of the world and you know you see how they were nerds of their time but they're oh, yeah. they're <laughs> yeah, they rule the world at this at this point with yeah. all of the money that they're making yeah, another good point. It's not just entertainment. You know, you look at what's going on in tech and just all around the world. You know, things are shifting. It's, it's a big, it's a big change, for sure. All right, uh, let's keep this moving. So, 
Okay. Uh, what is the be- What is the best book or comic of the last twenty five years? I mean, this is a huge question, obviously, but. Um, so yeah, I'll start with mine. So I mentioned um, uh, Sin City by Frank Miller. Um, is that the last twenty-five years? You know, that's right on the borderline. You know, that is, that's a good question. Like, uh, I believe uh, Frank Miller created Sin City prior. Like, we're talking like nineteen early nineties, like ninety-one. So like twenty-five year, years ago would be ninety-two. So I think technically he first created. Sin City uh, outside of that period, but the majority of of that work was done within the last 25 years. And I would also argue that his the best Sin City work, and it's all brilliant, but the best was within the 20, that 25 year period because my favorite uh, arc on Sin City was uh, the Big Fat Kill, the the, the storyline with uh, Dwight and and Miho. So um, brilliant, just. Uh, yeah, I mentioned in, in, in the interview, uh, but yeah, it's just a, a complete masterpiece in terms of artwork and writing. Comics, artwork, comic writing, he just, and to, to have him do it both, you know, on the same title is phenomenal. Any thoughts? That came out in the early 90s? Yeah. 25 yeah. years, man, because Watchmen, I would have picked. Yeah, that came oh, yeah, out yeah, in Watchmen. Five. Yeah. I mean, we hate to limit ourselves because, you know, Watchmen, and speaking of Miller, like he did, he wrote Batman Year One in the 80s, and he did, of course, Dark Knight Returns in the 80s. Uh, so, I mean, those are huge as well. But Yeah, I mean, if we're going to discount the timeline here, I would go, I would go Watchmen only because that, that comic book had, like, it broke all barriers in terms of like how comics, you know, are are, are viewed, how they're read. It made Times yeah. one hundred most influential novels. It was they considered it a novel. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that broke a lot of barriers. Um, so Watchmen I would peg there, but if if, if we're going something with something more recent, mm-hmm. I would go with The Walking Dead. Huge impact. I mean yeah. Walking Dead was this, you know, it's published by image. It when it first launched, it had popularity, but it didn't have mainstream popularity. Yeah. But look yeah. at it now. It's like the highest rated television show on AMC. Right, right. Yeah. And the creator, Robert Kirkman, is still involved in the show um, yeah. and its spinoffs today. Um, yeah, I would put I'd put The Walking Dead there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I think, you know, with the show being so immensely popular now, it's easy to forget that it was this little tiny indie comic something that like you know an an aspiring comic creator could create you know it kind of gives hope for us all you know it's like look look at what what kirkman did it wasn't you know that's that that career trajectory is could be replicated you know i think it's pretty cool that that you know, I, I'm really happy for his success. And what's cool, cool about it, you know? too, is that, like, it, it drew an audience that have never read, you know, that have yeah. never read comics. And then it pulls them into, oh, there is a Walking Dead comic. Maybe I should read those. And then, you know, it opens up the curiosity of, like, oh, there's other books to explore. Yeah. All right. Next question. Okay. The... <laughs> 
What is the best quote in sci-fi, fantasy, and horror in the last 25 years? Oh, shit. <laughs> best quote? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is kind of a cheesy question because if it's, if it's a great quote, most likely you've heard it like 10 zillion times, like something like, may the force be with you. You know, and f- for that fact alone, it's, maybe it's already kind of annoying just because you've heard it so much. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't even remember what I what I answered for this one. I, I don't was it, think I'll I, be back. I don't think I don't think it was that. <laughs> or uh, get to the chopper. <laughs> get to the get to the chopper. Made it onto uh, the final interview. Oh, did it? Oh, that's, it did. Yeah. Not surprised. Not surprised. Not by me, but someone someone did say that. <laughs> I don't know. I did, uh, this one. It's it's. Like, I mean, how about Adrian? <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Although. You know, Rocky, number one, I guess. It's kind of outside the range. But number two, like, it's not really considered. Sci-fi. Sci-fi, a genre movie, if you will. But uh, certainly a quotable line. (laughs) Oh, man, yeah, let's see. May the Force be with you. I mean, that's tough to beat, right? I mean, that's... It really is. Yeah. Um, Live long and prosper. That's a good one. <laughs> oh, I guess I don't think, like I said, I don't think I even had an answer. But now, now that I think of it, it would probably be with great power comes great responsibility. I mean, that's fucking, I mean, you can't, and for a Marvel fan, like, yeah, that's top of the pile right there. Oh, what about I'm Batman? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good too, you know? And, and Or according to Frank Miller, is I'm the goddamn Batman. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, right on. Okay, we'll leave it at that. All right, so, okay, the last couple were pretty basic. Uh, the first is, what is the best TV show of the last 25 years? Thoughts on that? Oh, you know what? I'm going to go with Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Good good call. Yeah. Tell us tell us why. Uh, you know, I haven't, I, haven't, I pr- haven't seen a lot of it. I think a lot of... Um, you haven't seen a lot of it? <laughs> I'm going to let you borrow my DVDs. Shame. Um, yeah, tell us. Tell us to, 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 why should you tell me? Why should I watch Batman the Animated Series? Oh man, where do I start? Why <laughs> shouldn't you watch Batman the Animated Series? Uh, I mean, this is Bruce Tim, um, man, Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill. I mean, like the cast of. Okay, oh, man, I don't even know where to start. Okay, l- let's look at the caliber, the, the the caliber of casts on this show. Like you have, like I mentioned, Kevin Conroy. Mark Hamill, um, I can't remember Bruce Tim. I think was like a producer or a writer on the show. Okay, um, but they've had a slew of like, you know, celebrity voiceover guests that have been regulars. Um, but what's cool about Batman the Animated Series is that it brought it brought the the essence and simplicity of Batman's character and the complexity um, to light in a in a kids television show. Like mm-hmm. it was a smart well-written television show um and then like just the visuals of it uh was also revolutionary for the time um the way that it was animated it was animated over uh uh over a black screen mm. i think in traditional animation it's like white paper and you draw and you color and you animate oh, interesting whereas this is black so yeah. the essence of it that it's dark um, where you're bringing in color, you're, you're allowing an amount of color and light to come in, speaks volumes to the tone of this show. And uh, isn't it true that the character Harley Quinn first appeared 
on the animated series before she ever p- appeared in a comic book. She did, yeah. That's where she made her big debut. That's fascinating. I, I can't think of another example where a major uh, comic book character appeared in animation form before comic book form. Yeah, right? you know, I read I or I saw this interview with Bruce Timm, um, and they were – I think they were talking about the Batman Harley Quinn animated movie that just just came out. Okay, yeah. And they mentioned to Bruce, they're like, Bruce, did you even realize how popular like Harley Quinn is? She's apparently like the fourth most recognizable like comic cartoon character yeah. of all. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know of all time, but like, his answer was 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 pretty brilliant. He's like, I knew there was this quiet growing thing about Harley Quinn, but he was like, oh, I had no idea how yeah. how big she had blown yeah. up. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the number of stories that they've told that were very true to the comics and, and, and like the, the characters that they introduced is great. Right on. Watch it. Watch <laughs> every single I will, episode. Now I have to. I have to now. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, let's just keep this going. Uh, the other one was the best movie in the last uh, 25 years. Any thoughts on that? Mm, best movie. By the way, mine was Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which I still hold as my favorite movie of all time. And it did make it onto, onto the YouTube clip. <laughs> I'm proud to say. <laughs> and I'm wearing my Scott Pilgrim t-shirt as well. So pretty stoked about all, how all that went down. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, the first that comes to mind is Chris, Chris Nolan's, you know, Batman trilogy. Yeah. Um, specifically, Batman Begins. Batman Begins is what started it all for me. Oh, um, really? Because most most uh, Nolan trilogy fans would say the second installment, The Dark Knight, was the best. Oh man, the second one. I mean, that's it's it's so good. <laughs> that's the consensus. But um, I don't know. I mean, so like, I love The Dark Knight. Obviously, the Joker was fantastic in that movie. Everything about that movie I really loved. Um, yeah. But with Batman Begins, they, they – okay, so oftentimes you define how well a hero is by how well their villain is done. In Batman Begins, they focused solely on, on, on Bruce Wayne and Batman's progression, and he wasn't necessarily defined by his villain. Right. Yeah. And they showed a lot of what they didn't portray in the previous Batman movies where he had created all of his he created all of his armor or I mean like it was all funded by Wayne Industries but he essentially built and created his entire being from the ground up. Yep. You know? Right. Um and prior to that movie, what was the last Batman movie he had? Batman and Robin? Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, right. things had gone terribly <laughs> downhill. Yeah. And I remember seeing the trailer for the first time at WonderCon. By the way, the WonderCon, that was the WonderCon where I met. I got to meet uh, Christian Bale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing that trailer. The trailer they showed was the flashback of, uh, of Bruce Wayne in Crime Alley where his parents are killed. I think they showed maybe five minutes of that clip. And I, I was pretty blown away. Yeah. I was like... If they don't get this Batman movie right, they're never going to make a Batman movie ever again. <laughs> right, right. And they nailed it. They nailed yeah. everything about Batman in that movie that I would have liked to have seen and met yeah. my expectations, exceeded it. Yeah, I will say that about Batman Begins. There was a freshness to it because, you know, 
um, Dark Knight, for all its accolades, we had seen the first installment. So there was some expectation. We knew, you know, the world we were in. But with Batman Begins, like, we were all just kind of thrown into it. And it was like, this is something we've never seen before. This is brand new. It's different and um, it, very it's compelling. A, it's a big movie. Like, they shot in, they shot on location in multiple places. And, like, it just felt like a bigger, grander stage. Like, it didn't feel confined to, like, a movie studio stage right, like right. the previous Batman movies where they were all shot in real locations. And Christopher Nolan, his, I mean, he he's very well known for trying to put as much on screen, in screen as possible, and only utilizing CGI as just like supplemental visual, as opposed to it being the hero visual of his filmography. Yep, absolutely. Cool deal. All right. Good answers, man. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, Yeah, I think uh, this might be a fun segment to continue uh, forward with. And if anyone's curious... Um, if you literally go to YouTube and search on Sci-Fi 25, S-Y-F-Y 25, no spaces, you can see the, the final products, basically, the, the clips that they used. And it's, it's literally answers to these same questions I just posed and um, some fun stuff in there. And also, if you'd be interested in... in uh, Getting interviewed, you know, getting asked these same questions on this very podcast, we'd love to have you. So um, you can tweet us. We'll, tweet we'll us. put you on the wait list. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll... <laughs> the we'll, non-existent wait list. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll see. No, you got to keep the facade alive, man. So. Oh, okay, yeah, the laundry list. <laughs> yeah, right. okay. So the, uh, tweet us at, at Cape Cowell Podcast. So, um, yeah, we'll probably do more of these. It won't be like an every week type thing. But yeah, every now and then we'll do a Meet the Geeks segment. So uh, looking forward to continuing on there. All right. So with that, we can wrap up this episode. This is Farewell from Henry and Rainier. Get back to work.